What's cooking, everybody? Episode 35 of the Slip Away Podcast, man. Lots to get into this week talking about Oscar Valdez's dominant performance over Miguel Berchelt. Going to get a little into the return of Adrian Broner. Going to talk a little bit about uh, David Avenisian stopping Josh Kelly over there in England. And I'm going to briefly touch on uh, this weekend with Canelo Alvarez and Avni Yildirim. So let's get right into it. into a physical kind of brawl type fight that's not what happened Valdez outboxed him and stopped him in the 10th um, before I get into that because I want to break that down a little more um, I want to talk about a couple of things first of all there was the card on Showtime with Adrian Broner returning um, look Robert Easter looked very sharp nice long jab boxing on his toes Otto Valin looks very sharp against Dominic Brazil same kind of deal, boxing behind the jab. Had a couple of rough rounds at the end, but, you know, pretty much dominated the whole fight. And then it came down to A.B., man. Same old shit, bro. Same old A.B., man. He can do all this he wants about all the changes he made and everything he's doing different and da-da-da-da. But it's still a fucking guy with a lot of talent who doesn't throw his punches or stay switched on for three minutes. First of all, there's no way he won this fight. And that's everyone's talking about it, right? You know, Santiago doubled him up and landed punches, if not more. You know, was clearly the busier in most of the rounds. I scored at 114-113 Santiago. So, if could I say that it was a horrendous ripoff? No, but it was like a bad decision. You know, and it was unanimous. One judge having it fucking, you know, whatever, 9-3 to three or whatever. And it's the same old shit with this guy, man. He just doesn't let his hands go enough. And he's a good defensive fighter, but he has he has lapses where he kind of just shells up and let you hit hit him in the body and hit him in the gloves, and he just kind of takes it, you know. And he's it's very you go, I go. He's not like a great counterpuncher all the time. He's just not switched on offensively all the time. It has no diversity. It's very predictable. It's kind of roll right hand, roll two, three. You know, it's all the fuck, you know, it's the same couple of moves and it's clear that he's got, you know what I mean? The speed, the accuracy is very accurate puncher. You can't take that away from him. He's very fucking accurate when he lets his hands go and he just doesn't, he's just not busy enough. And so because he's not busy enough and he's not a defensive wizard, somebody like Giovanni Santiago with no disrespect to him with a lot less natural talent can very much out-hustle him because he just, he has so many just lapsing periods where he just rests on the ropes 
and takes body shots, man. And it's for somebody with that talent level. And to be honest with you, he's still the same fucking guy in the sense of if you watch his post-fight interview, he's still like as cringy and fucking unwatchable as ever, you know? And I, it's not, it's like, I wanted to, I, th- I guess there's a part of me because I enjoyed watching him when he was younger. Like I want to believe that he's going to be able to flip that around. I don't think so, man. I don't think he has this. He's got everything else, man. He's got all the fucking talent in the world. He's got the right people around him, but he doesn't have this. And unless he gets that straight, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. There's nobody at the top of 140 or 147 that he has any chance against. That's just reality. Um, so, I mean, I guess congratulations on the win, but you didn't win that fucking fight. So it is what it is. Um, in England, over on the zone, David Avenesian uh, stops Josh Kelly in the sixth round. This was a, a pretty big upset because anytime I see the British commentary and whatever talking about Josh Kelly, they talk about, you know, this virtuoso kid with this crazy talent, crazy hand speed, da-da-da-da, you know, and when he when the fight first starts, and I've seen this a couple of times, when the fight first starts, you can see what they're talking about, right? The speed is crazy. He's, like, moving around the ring, and it's very aesthetic, and it looks good. And he hits hard, clearly. He hurts Avenician at the the first part of the fight, puts him on his ass. It's very explosive. And then there's something about him that just gradually starts to break down over the course of the fight. You know, like with Ray Robinson, if you watch this fight with Ray Robinson, it's just like it doesn't, that what he does didn't stand up at that level. And so when Avenician, the sheen came off it real quick, like that, that, that shine, that sparkle on his game came off it after the second or third round. He gets this cut on the back of his head, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to keep Avenician off of him, and he's boxing well, but it just gets to the point where the physicality of Avenician gets to Kelly, and he's able to just really out-muscle him and kind of out-pro him, and I, it, he just he couldn't stand up to that pressure in his corner through in the towel. I just... I. There is some kind of disconnect there. Like, I think it looks better than it is. It looks better than it is effective, what he does, if that makes sense. You know, whereas Avenician, it's kind of the opposite, where what he does is more effective than what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? Um, And you see at this level, if you haven't fought at this level a bunch, it's a different thing. It's a different thing to look really flashy against a genuine, legitimate top 10 contender that has, you know, no... Losing is not in his mind at all, you know. Um, so I thought that was really, it was interesting. And I, I like watching Kelly fight. I watched some of the early fights in his career. And I was like, yo, this kid is fucking scary. But when he's, as he stepped up, and I don't know what, if it's weight cuts or whatever. But just like his durability and his consistency i think consistency is really what it is he's not it's kind of like a b there's lapses where it just kind of turns off and he either stands and shells up or what you know all that shit where he's like making you each individual punch miss so clearly at the at the beginning of the fight you know what i mean it's that starts to erode a little bit and he starts taking punches he shouldn't take um you know i'm not really sure He's, you know, he's a young guy and he's super talented. So I think he's going to, you know, he'll make a comeback and he'll have another go at this. But 
there's another dimension he's got to take. I'm not really sure how to articulate what that is, but there's another layer of his game that he's got to develop a certain grit that he just doesn't have right now at this contender level. So um, great win for Avanesian. He's like right at the top of his game right now. And I think hopefully a great learning experience for Kelly um, and not something that breaks him. Um, so let's get to the main event here. Fucking Oscar Valdez stopping Miguel Burchelt in the 10th round. Fucking leveled him. Leveled him. Like that, one-punch knockout. And like I said at the top of this episode, in my opinion, that right there is the top performance since the COVID lockdown. Since we've been fighting in these bubbles and shit, this is the best performance. Because this is what I thought was going to happen, right? I thought because if you've seen uh, Valdez fight before, lower levels of opposition have lured him into really physical... You know, drag him out fights. You know, Adam Lopez and, you know, Jason Velez. These, I don't, I'm not saying these are bad opponents, but I would have picked Burchelt to beat any of those guys. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought that Burchelt, with his relentlessness, with his size, his physicality, the fact that he's been the title holder at 130 for a long time, I just thought that he was going to be able to kind of out-activity Valdez, even if Valdez could keep it pretty for a second, and that Burchelt would get ahead of steam going, maybe clip him and hurt him, and then that would be it, right? That's what I thought was going to happen. I think that's what a lot of people thought was going to happen. And that's not what happened at all. And I'm telling you, it's because Valdez's game went up two, three levels. Like, if I had any idea he could do that, I would have picked him. You know what I'm saying? Because... He, he was at a completely different level of slickness and boxing skill than Burchelt. And it all started with the jab. It all started with the jab. You know, the first round, he's a little antsy. He's swinging kind of, you know, maybe a little too big. But the second round, he starts to relax into his movement and his upper body movement. And he starts letting that jab go. Um, and by the end of the second round, Burchelt's nose is gushing blood and really puffy. Almost exclusively from the jab, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and Valdez with the head movement, it was like every time Burchelt tried to set and throw a combination, he couldn't land anything. But you know, Valdez would make him miss a couple of times, and then smother him, and then turn him. Right? You know what I mean? He'd be on the outside, miss, miss. He'd get real close, and then he'd turn out, and he'd get out of the corner. So he didn't give Burchelt really any rope time. There was, you know, he was never stationary for Burchelt to just sit down on a combination. And then in the fourth round, right, he hurts Burchelt really badly and drops him at the end of the fourth round. I kind of thought maybe he's going to stop him here. It had that look, you know. But in the fifth, I felt like he, you know, he, he, he keeps that assertion. But by the sixth and the seventh, Burchelt actually starts to make the effort to come forward and and try to you know make his presence known and he doesn't really land anything like he's swinging and he's on the front foot and you can see Valdez is having to work harder but it he really couldn't land much of anything effective or consistently you know he I, there was one stretch where he's throwing 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 he must have thrown 10 12 punches and he landed I think one so it was, it was one of those rounds where it was like he was kind of putting his his last uh, his last hit of effort into it because after the seventh round, man, 
it was really all Valdez, and he found his full boxing rhythm, and I think he started to hit ahead of steam and just took over the fight completely. Now, by the time the knockout came in the 10th round, like I could have been cool with the corner stopping it at the end of the ninth. I really could have been. And then there was two, three moments in the 10th where I would have been cool with the ref stopping it. So, you know, while this is a crazy knockout and it's one of the best knockouts, you know, in a while, this is one that maybe didn't need to happen. And maybe I think it's weird. As I watch more boxing, as I get a little older, I'm a little more sensitive to knockouts, which is a weird thing. Like, you know, it's part of why you watch boxing is the shock of the knockout. But the more I watch it and understand, like, the craft, the more um, jarring that is, particularly if it seems like it's unavoidable. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, But I'm definitely getting a little more sensitive to knockouts. But the thing that was beautiful about this fight, aside from Valdez's great footwork and great strategy was that he really, he put it all together, man. He put all the, because you've seen him do each thing individually sometimes. And even in the last fight, you could see him trying to make that transition into a boxer, and Velez was just awkward enough to make that complicated for him. And this one, it just all came together, man. He was switching southpaw and throwing little feints, and it would kill Burchelt's rhythm. Every single time he would switch stances for a sec, he might not even throw anything. He'd just have him southpaw, feint, feint roll out of the corner, go back to his stance, like, the jab was money the whole fucking time, the jabs and the feints and the turns off the ropes, all the stuff that he was doing defensively to keep Burchelt occupied and keep him turning and keep him almost chasing his own tail, that's the shit that won him to fight, because by the time he starts sitting down to, you know, throw power punches, Burchelt is open for it, because he's been popping him with the, the jab, popping him with the jab, Sticking it in his stomach. And Burchelt's got his hands here. Every time he sees the jab, he's trying to pull it. So he goes to pull the jab and it turns into a hook. Boom. And that just kept happening over and over again. The jab and the left hook, you know, confusing him. Not sure what's going to come at him. Um, So I'm just very impressed with Oscar Valdez. This is one of those times where I love being wrong. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did the prediction on this fight and I was feeling pretty strong about it. And this is one where, I, like, I just love that this is how it went. It really was a, a great performance. And for me, anybody at 130, you, he's in the mix. I'm not saying you got to say he's going to win, but anybody at 130, I'm talking Tank, I'm talking Shakur Stevenson, this guy's in the mix. You got to give it to him. The only thing I'm going to say about Burchelt is they said he weighed 146 the night of the fight, which means he put on 16 pounds. I'm going to go ahead and guess that he didn't have like a great weight cut and his punch resistance looked like it. You know what I'm saying? Like this fight looked similar to um, Jamel Charlo and Jason Rosario. He just couldn't really get off the way he wanted to. And you could see, I don't know if Rosario had a bad weight cut, but I'm just saying that's what the fight kind of looked like. Um, He just didn't look like he had great punch resistance and he didn't really look like he could pull the trigger the way he wanted to. Um... I don't really know what's next for him. That's a big rebuild. He may want to move up to 135. He's such a big guy. Um, You know, he's a welterweight the night of these fights. It seems like lightweight might be a more appropriate weight class for him. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about that fight. I was really impressed with the whole performance. Um, 
Next weekend, we got Canelo and Avni Yildirim. Um, you know, I did a, a, a breakdown of why exactly this fight is happening. Um, I'll make sure I leave that in the description here. But essentially, this is a, a mandatory, you know, Yildirim has been the mandatory f for two years now, basically. And Canelo just happens to be the title holder fulfilling that obligation. And I think this one's pretty cut and dry. You know, I watched Yildirim fight Anthony Durrell again, and it's just, I'm sure he's improved. I'm sure he's gotten better since that night. But I think his nature, like basically who he is as a fighter, is going to be the reason he can't win this fight. He's just too come forward, gloves up high. It's a little too basic for somebody with the finesse and the nuance of Canelo Alvarez. So even if it goes 12, like I could see Canelo getting this guy out. I could see Canelo doing a, a light 12 and just not really taking any punishment and keeping it smart. And this guy's tough enough to survive. But it's just hard to know. Yildirim definitely has some skills and he can he can throw some combinations. But I just can't. It's, it's It would be hard for me to imagine. This is what I was saying last week with fucking Bertelden Valdez. It, but it would really be hard for me to imagine that he would be able to consistently land anything on Canelo. There's always that puncher's chance, you know, but between not having fought in two years, Canelo fought two months ago, it just seems like a really one-sided fight um, that probably doesn't do that much for Canelo, but it does allow him to keep a belt, and then hopefully later down the line, this year hopefully, we can, we're going to see him against Billy Joe Saunders in May, hopefully Caleb Plant by the end of the year, and then maybe we have an undisputed champ at 168, which would be, um, which would be really cool. So that's it, guys. That's episode. Uh, that's episode 35 of the Slipping Weed Podcast. It's crazy. I've been doing 35 episodes. Um, stay tuned for next week. Uh, I'm gonna have my. Uh, I'm gonna have my first guest next week, you guys. So um, if you want to follow my Instagram, I'm gonna be posting more about that in the next couple of days, and. Uh, I will also be keeping up with the tutorials a little better, so you can expect more of those soon. And yeah, that's episode 35. Thanks, guys. Peace.